Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. How many of you um, regularly fight in your relationship? Yeah, you can be honest. Come on. Come on. Thank you. I just wanted to put it that way because I just want to see the few people um, that just want to be honest and then a lot of you um, liars that are in the seats in church today. But I know you're not used to being honest in church, so I just say it. My wife and I fight a lot. And here's the thing. It's healthy, okay? I may not write a marriage book, but this is just my take on it for a second. Like, we have very passionate personalities. I think if we're not fighting, we're not trying, like, that's my marriage. Now, some of you have the kind of relationship, you're like, we never fight. Um, you're annoying, by the way, but, like, maybe that's your relationship. Um, but all, like, at some level, come on, if we can be honest for a second, you have some kind of conflict sometimes. And I'm even talking about husband, wife, maybe uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, and maybe work conflict, but relationships have conflict. And there are multiple styles of dealing with that conflict. So for some of you, you're the peacemaker, so it's always just like, you okay, you okay, you all right, you all right, you all right? So speaking of annoying, like if you're that person, um, any peacemakers in the house? Yeah, I just called you annoying, so you're probably not going to raise your hand. Um, no, thank you. Uh, some of you are stuffers. Any stuffers in the house? So that's the whole, how you doing? I'm fine. Which means they're anything but fine. And what's going to happen with a stuffer? There's going to be some unrelated event where they just go off like, hey, pass me the ketchup. Are you serious? And then it just, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Doesn't relate, but they've been stuffing it so long. Um, some of you are litigators. You just, that's me. Like, you give me enough time, and I have, at least this is my thought. I, I feel like I could argue you into submission. Not great in marriage, but that's kind of um, where I'm coming from. And so, like, okay, so a few years ago, uh, my wife comes home, and she's six months pregnant, so that's relevant to the story. And she comes home, she's got her hair done, and she's like, you like my hair? And that's, and, you know, and that's just, you just need to go with, yes, doesn't matter what it is, I love it. Don't ever add any extra information, just I love it. And so she comes in, I'm like, oh, no, it's nice. Oh, you decided to dye it black. And everything hit the fan in that moment, because apparently that's not what she was going for. For, and she was six months pregnant, so she runs into the bathroom, and she locks herself in the bathroom, and we're trying to fight on the other side of the bathroom door, if you've ever done that before, and I'm trying to, like, make everything okay, and I don't really understand what's going wrong, and um, then the next day, she walks into the Verizon store, and my wife is one of those personalities where she knows everybody, so, like, if you go into the Verizon store, she knows the Verizon people at the counter, by name, and they have some kind of relationship, and so she walks in, and immediately, they're like, Oh, because I guess what she was going for is she's trying to dye her hair brown, right? And, the, you know, I guess there can be a fine line. And so she walks in and immediately they're like, oh, you decided to dye your hair black. And I'm telling you, I, I need to grow in this, but that was an unbelievably happy day for me when that went down is to go vindication. Um, so like, I have that in me where I constantly want to be right. And we're not like the couple that, okay, so the other style is like the sulker, 
so that's not us. You know those, those um, people that they come to a party and you know they're fighting, but they don't want to admit they're fighting, and one of them is sulking off to the side and everybody's got to work around their weird tension? You know what I'm talking about? Um, for us, that's never, the, or you got the one person that shows up to the party without the other person they're normally with, and you immediately ask them, they're like, well, I just, I, okay, I know what's going on. You're in a fight, you don't want to tell anybody, um, and they don't show up. We never fight that way. Like, when we're fighting, everybody in the room knows that we're fighting. Nicole will walk around and tell them that we're fighting. She'll tell them what we're fighting about. Like, just ask my family, so we're not stalkers. And then last one, any, anybody, um, this is your screamer. Yeah, just own it. Yeah. Like we tend not sometimes screamer, but like we did, we're just loud. And so you fight, you get loud. Now, the problem is if you have different fighting styles, one came into the marriage as a peacemaker, one came in as a screamer, and you think this is healthy conflict resolution, right? Because you saw at work, you just get everything out on the table, yell about it, and then I'm fine. And all the while they're in the fetal position in the corner, absolutely destroyed by you, right? Like conflict is just hard. So what is inevitable, even for those of you who started um, this morning off by lying, is that in relationships, conflict's coming, right? Okay, I got one, yeah. That's a, this is gonna be a, a response. I'm gonna say something and then you're gonna respond. In relationships, conflict is inevitable, right? Yeah, okay. I just wanna know you're with me. So here's what I wanna do for a couple minutes, no surprises. I wanna talk about relationship conflict, just for a minute. And here's the thing, you're like, well, I thought we were talking about the winning the war within. We are. And in fact, here's the reality, like you know this, whatever is going on inside of you, there's nothing that's going to be affected more than your relationships, right? In fact, and here's the case that I'm gonna make, and I'm not gonna just make it, there's uh, something in the scriptures that I think makes this case, is that any time, and you gotta hang with me, because some of this, you're gonna argue with me in your mind, so just follow all the way to the end. But in every relationship conflict, at some level, it reveals something that's going on inside of you. In every conflict, it really is an invitation, even if it's 90-10. So if you're, like, maybe that's where you're at. It's 90 them, it's 10 you. Whether it's the coworker thing, the marriage, the in-law, whatever it is. But even in that kind of scenario, every time there's conflict, it reveals the fact, and really is an invitation for God to do something in you. That there is some kind of war, there is some kind of fight in you. Now here's the thing, that is so difficult to grasp because when we are in conflict, it's always about them. I mean, always. And it doesn't matter like how clear kind of the division of blame is. I mean, it's always about them. It's really hard for us when we feel like we're right or we're experiencing something where it's just constant, where, where we wanna back down it all from our argument. It's, it's always about them. if they would, if she would have, if they would have followed through, if everybody would just listen to me in this whole family, everything would just be all right, right? It's always about them. Like some of you are like, well, I've been in and out of like seven relationships the last two years and I just keep dating bad guys. Maybe, maybe, or maybe everywhere you go, there you are, right? So like maybe there is more to it. And so the reality is just this. And, and let me just say this as just a side note. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. 
always. Because here's what happens for so many of us in relationships, it doesn't matter what the relationship is, is that in many cases, it's like we are handing off our peace and our happiness to somebody else, and we basically tell them, hey, you let me know when I can get this back again. When you follow through, when you clean up your whatever, when you get it right, where you get things on point, where you decide that you're going to do what I've been after you to do for so long. When you do that, you let me know so that I can take back my happiness and take back my peace. And here's what we said throughout this series. And I know that there's some stories in here that are way over the top, but for most of us, for most of us, we have the option of either living our lives as a victim or we have the option of victory, believing specifically if you are a follower of Jesus, that God has a will for your life, that God is offering John 10, 10. I want you to have life to the full. And that wasn't contingent on everybody around you getting their junk together, that there is a way to have victory in you to where you decide I'm gonna take back my happiness, I'm gonna take back my peace, and it's not going to be contingent on you. And as long as you are blaming, you are handing off your destiny, your will, your happiness, and your peace to somebody else waiting to get it back. And so here's the question that this guy James asks in the New Testament. He just says this to kind of get the conversation started. What causes fights and quarrels among us? And here's the thing, literally we don't know. Literally we, don't, we think we know, but we don't know. Here's the case that he's gonna make is that, that there is really only one single source of all conflict. There's a ton of responses. There's a ton of circumstances. Everybody's got a story, but there is really only one source of the conflict. And again, I know the pushback is like, no, 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 if you knew, okay, I understand. But even in extreme circumstances, there's something behind it that's going on in you. And the reason I wanted to end this series with this point is because if you are ever going to win the war within you, one of the things that's gonna be the catalyst for that is the relationships around you and the conflict around you. Because what is happening around you in relationships is always at some level an indicator of something that God wants to do in you, even if they're an idiot. So James is like, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And, and here's really his answer to that question. It at some level stems from something that you want that you're not getting. No, 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 I deserve it. Okay, shh, just chill for a second. In any scenario, it all stems from something that you want and you are not getting it. So as we end this series, here's what I want us to declare war on. I want us to declare war on what we want. Not that you shouldn't want it, I'll unpack. Not that you don't deserve it, not that it's not legit, but you owning this idea that every time you are experiencing something, every time there is this fight outside, there is some kind of fight on the inside and it is literally an invitation from your savior to go, I wanna do something in you. I know about them, I wanna do something in you. And at some level, what you're experiencing is an outflow of something that you want. And so today we would just declare, I'm declaring war on what I want. Because what's happening in the relationships around me in that conflict reveals what God wants to do and the war that he wants to win inside me. So here's how James says it. In James chapter four, James, the brother of Jesus, thought his brother was crazy and then he rose from the grave and he's like, oh, 
I'm following him. Verse one, James chapter four, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And again, you're like, well, that's a million answers. She deleted all my DVR shows one time. True story. So that caused fights and quarrels. I didn't get the color of her hair right. I didn't get home on time. There's a, and James like, no, 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 no. You don't, underst you don't understand the source of conflict. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he asked this question. Don't they come from who? Your desires, the battle within who? You. James is like, listen, every conflict is a desire in you that's unfulfilled. No, 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 no. If you knew, and James is like, just chill, man. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know somebody's arguing with me in their head. Like, just chill for a second. I, I get it. I understand your story. I understand you have an argument. Every conflict is a war over what you want. Like, if you, even if nothing changed, listen, if we could just embrace that one idea with whatever is in front of us and whoever is in front of us, just that could be a game changer. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? And then verse two, you want something, but you don't get it. James, again, every time there's a conflict, even a legitimate, you think they should do it and they owe you, there's something that you want that you don't have. No, 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 it's something I, I deserve. It's something they, pro okay, I understand. James is like, just, just embrace this idea before we get to your story. Every time there's something that you want and you don't get it. And then he says this, and this is so strong. So he says, you kill. Now he's talking to a church. So these are not, you know, these guys don't have a rap sheet, most of them. They haven't killed people, probably not. There's not the threat they're gonna kill. This is hyperbole. Here's what James is saying. And all of us, unfortunately, we kind of know this dynamic. James is like, sometimes you want something so bad in a relationship in front, from another person that literally you'll get to the place, you'll kind of lose your mind and you'll kill the relationship in an effort to get it. Have we seen that before? Like we've watched parents kill their relationship with their adult kids because they wanted something so badly and they would stop at almost nothing to try to squeeze it out of them. We've watched coworkers sabotage relationships, sabotage their company, sabotage the culture of their company because they want something so bad, they're willing to kill everything to get it. We, we've watched husbands and wives absolutely obliterate their relationship because of what they want from the other person that they're not getting. We've watched moms absolutely destroy their relationship with their adult daughters because there's something that they want and they're not getting it. And sometimes it gets to the place where you'll start making decisions. You'll start putting on pressure. You'll start leaning in in such a way that you're at risk at killing the relationship over the thing that you want. In fact, can we just go a step further online or in the house? Some of you, if we can just get real personal, you are there right now. You are on the verge of that right now. And you disguise it. No, 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 I just want the best for them. I, I just want their good. I just want them to maximize potential. And if you were really to dig down, there is something inside of you. Not that there's not some things that they need to do. Not that there's not parts that their fault. Maybe again, it's 90% their fault, 10 yours but you are on the verge of sabotaging a relationship over what you want and you may not even have clarity over what you want. 
It's about coming home early. It's about the degree. It's about them following through in terms of what you say. But really, it's about there's something going on inside of me in terms of my self-worth. There's something going on inside of me in terms of my security. There's something going on inside of me in terms of me being okay with me. And I'm trying to get that out of you. And so James is like, you just have to come around this idea when you are in a relationship and you're going, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them. And James is going, I just want you to consider it might be you. At some level, it might be you. And even if it's a little bit you, God wants to do something in you around the war and the fight that sometimes is only revealed in the conflict of relationships. I love this Thomas Merton quote. He says, the beginning of love is to let those who love be perfectly themselves. And he's not advocating like you just don't draw boundaries and, and just allow dysfunction in relationships. That's not the context of this. So if you hear that, that's not what I'm saying. But there are some, it's not all, some circumstances where we're all about getting what we want from them. And the reality is in relationships, if we're really following and honoring Jesus, people should be the most free around us. They should leave not being impressed with us, but feeling better about them. That's what it looks like, I think, to display what Jesus said we should display as we walk planet Earth. As you understand my love for you, I want you to love other people around you. And so he says not to twist them, to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves that we find in them. And so James is like, would you, just, would you just consider this? Would you just ask the question and just think about this for a second of what, what could happen? Could you imagine what might happen in that thing, that dysfunction, that relationship with all of the angst that you feel, if you just even, and you're not saying it's not their fault, but if you just even own that one idea, that every relational conflict at some level is an invitation by your savior to go, I wanna do something in you regardless of what ultimately happens in them. So James says, so you want something, you don't get it, you kill, you covet, and you can't have what you want, and so you quarrel and you fight. And you're right back to where you began. Okay, so what if you just did this? On the verge of whatever you're experiencing right now, with your coworker, with your community group person, with, with your, your spouse, with your adult kid, with your, what, the HOA, the PTA, the, you know, whatever it is. If you just like on the verge, in the middle, some pause along the way to go, okay, you know what? I just wanna acknowledge at least part of the problem, I'll take 0.0001%, part of the problem is, I'm not getting what I want. In fact, just say that with me real quick. We'll come to that in just a second. But just say that statement real quick. On the verge of whatever you're walking through, I'm not getting what I want. Just say that real quick. Okay, I know it's hard to say. One more time. I'm not getting what I want. No, no, no. If my middle schooler, if my shh, that's the problem. I get it. But James is like, no, 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 we wanna focus on you for a second. You are not getting what you want. Now here's the thing, here's why we won't do this. Now you can pop this thing on the screen. I don't do um, a lot of counseling anymore because I'm not that good at it. Um, guys, I don't think are great counselors all the time. Some are, we have an amazing pastor care and counseling. I'm not, I sit down, give me like three minutes. I'm like, oh, I know what your problem is. We can just end the session here. Here's four things, go fix this and everything, right? 
and it doesn't work real well in counseling. But here's the deal. When you sit down with somebody and go, okay, I, I hear everything you're saying, but if could just draw like a circle on a paper and just what part of this is your fault though? Like, cause you haven't been perfect, right? Like just what part of it is your, like, I mean, uh, like 1%, because I get they're off the rails. I've heard your story, they're crazy. But what, like, what is, like, what is your, what do you need to own? I've never seen one person be able to do this. They're like, ah, I'm a, nah, I don't, nah. they, they won't do it. I'm, no, dude, just one, I'm just asking you own 1%, probably 1%, and they won't do it. They will not dry, draw any slice of the pie. Why? Why? This is why we have so much trouble doing this. Is, this is James' point. This is why you're arguing with me in your mind right now, depending on your church background. You're dropping all kinds of words in your head right now in church. But, but here's why we don't do this, because the moment you own anything, even if you own 3%, like it's 97% them, they're crazy. But even if you own 3%, immediately when you do that, what happens? The tension decreases just a little bit. And you lose just, I mean, even if it's 3%, but it seems like a lot, you lose 3% of your argument. And you have to, the moment you own anything, you have to chill just a little bit. And that's not what we wanna do. When I'm in any kind of conflict, I want to litigate my case. I want to make sure that I'm right. I know there's some stuff I haven't done, but in light of everything they've done, it's not even worth talking about. But the moment you actually stop and own any of that, it just a little bit, it changes the dynamic and it forces you to look at you. And James is like, that's the point. God wants to do something inside. I mean, come on. It, I should have brought one of these up here. But in any relationship, we bring a magnifying glass into the relationship, right? And it changes from season to season. Like you're getting a new job, you walk in, and you're magnifying all the things that you want to magnify. You're in a dating relationship before you get married, you're magnifying all the things that you want to magnify. Like it's crazy. And then when you get married, you start magnifying different things. Honestly, we need to flip it a little bit. And what we magnify in marriage, we should have magnified in dating and flipped everything. Because in dating, we are just stupid a lot of the times. Oh, he's so, he's so laid back, which is code for he's lazy. And I'm going to find out in about four years. But in the moment, confirmation bias, I'm magnifying what I want to see, right? I'm looking for somebody who just loves God. They've said God before. So I think, you know, or I just want somebody that loves God and somebody else around the dysfunction that's happening is going, okay, that's great. He should love God. I think you should pursue that. But does, all, does he have a job? Is he gonna be able to buy groceries? And like we magnify all the things that we wanna magnify and then it switches from relationship to relationship. And a lot of times on the other side of I do, you start magnifying different things and all the stuff that you loved before, you start to hate it on the other side. Laid back is not so sexy anymore. Mysterious is not as sexy. Now you're like, I wish you would get up off the couch and stop watching the ESPN Sports Center loop that you have now watched 17 times and help me, right? Like you start magnifying different, thanks, preaching to one person up here. Um, you start magnifying, and here's the reality. You get more of what you magnify. And James is like, when you switch it, 
See, this is the whole Matthew thing where Jesus is going, listen, some of you get close in relationship and you are so close that you can pick out the speck in somebody else's eye and all the while there's a freaking two by four coming out of yours because you magnify what you want to magnify. And James is like, listen, I'm not trying to assign blame right now. I'm just trying to tell you that if you would power down, this would start to change the game. And at least a little bit, you'd have to start looking at you and you might find that there is a war happening in you that is at least behind part of this. And you never even saw it before. And so he's like, even in extreme circumstances, whatever's in front of you right now, at least part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want maybe more so than I even realize. And then James says this, are you still with me at the 1045? He doesn't end there, he says, you do not have, and he's about to say basically, you don't have the outcome you want and, let me try to explain this as best I can, you don't have the clarity that you think you have. You do not have it because you do not, what? You do not ask God. He's like, have you even thought, and at this point, you're like, oh, James, this is what I'd expect in church. But he's like, no, just hang with me for a second. Have you even thought about bringing this to God? I know you are praying a lot, and you're praying at them about what you want God to do in them or to them, but have you ever thought about legitimately bringing this to me? Have you ever legitimately paused to go, okay, I know what I think is happening here, and I think I'm right, but, but let me just bring this to God. Let me just bring this to Jesus with the idea that, that maybe what's happening around me is an indicator of something that God wants to do in me. He's like, have you ever even brought this to God? Here's the reality. I'll try to go quick here. And this is the crux of the whole series is that so many of us are fighting with the weapons of this world. Meaning, we're trying to figure it out by our own cognitive reasoning, thinking we have clarity about everything, and then we're trying to fix it on our own. This is what Paul says later on. I'll try to tie this around, but he says this to a Corinthian church in the context of, would you just bring whatever you're feeling right now? Would you just bring this to God? And he says this, for though we live, 2 Corinthians 10.3, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, are not the weapons of the world. Meaning, what you're relying on to figure it all out, what you're relying on to fix it, all the areas where you think you have clarity is you relying on the weapons of the world when you will stiff arm and not bring this to God. You're relying on your ability to make it happen. And then he says this, on the contrary, literally our weapons when we come to Jesus are, we have what? All right, one more time. We have what? Divine power to demolish, what's the word? Strongholds. Like li literally, this is what Paul is saying is that we have access to power that destroys strongholds. And in many cases, the strongholds we don't even know we have. That literally, as we come to God and we go, okay, this is what I think is happening. This is what I feel about the circumstances. This is what I think that they've done. But I'm just bringing this to you to give me clarity and give me power over what you want to do. And, and Paul says, listen, you might be in this context literally entrenched in strongholds that you don't even see. Because here's what strongholds are. Strongholds are believing something that's not true, doing something that you shouldn't do, and trying to get from someone else what they can't even give you. 
And Jesus says, would you just bring that to me? Would you just bring that to me so that I can give you clarity over reality and what's really happening and so that I can give you my power? But you are so consumed with them and her and him and that group that you don't even see what I wanna do in you. So verse five, he says, but when you do, when you bring this to Jesus, when you cry out, surrender, bow your knee, we demolish arguments, literally even our own arguments that we're making about what's happening and every pretension that sets itself up against, what's the word? The knowledge of God. Meaning we have knowledge about what we think is happening. We have clarity about reality and God's going, you don't have any idea until you bring it to me. And sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, I love this language, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And James and Paul are both saying the same things. Would you just bring this to God? Would you just bring this to Jesus? And here's the promise from 2 Corinthians 10 is that he will give you clarity and he will give you power. He will give you clarity about the strongholds that you don't even see, about part of your lust issue that's behind the problem, a part of your insecurity issue, a part of your self-worth issue, a part of your resentment issue a part of your jealousy issue, a part of your shame issue. And Jesus is going literally, it is relationships that bring some of that stuff to the surface. If you would come to me where I will reveal strongholds to you and then I will begin the work to demolish them with my power. The same power that caused me to walk out of a grave alive, the same power that defeated death, the same ammunition and arsenal that when Jesus walked the earth, he told blind people to start seeing and he told dead people to start living and he told waves to stop crashing and he told seas to part. And one day he's gonna handle death. He's gonna have victory. He is gonna take Satan to the mat. And all of that power is given to you when you will bow your knee and go, I don't know everything that's going. I don't understand all that's happening, but I know the one who does. And when I bow my knee to Jesus, my enemies will bow their knee to Jesus' power. And so I'm coming to you for clarity. I'm coming to you for strength. And I want you to reveal what is happening in me. Break the strongholds. Set me free of what is happening in me. And so James and, and later Paul really is just saying this. Would you just come to Jesus and go, I'm not getting. I'm not getting what I want in terms of their faithfulness their acknowledgement, the fact that they're not coming home when they said they would, that they're not following through when they promised that they would follow through. And I'm not getting what I want. And I think I deserve it. I think I'm owed it. I think they promised it. But what do you want to do in me? What's going on in me? Give me clarity to understand the strongholds that I'm fighting against and then give me the power to take every single one of them captive so that I can go free and I can go on and I can take my happiness and peace back regardless of what you do because his promise of life and victory and a destiny and a will and a hope for my future wasn't dependent on what you do. It was dependent on what he's gonna do through me. And what James is saying is when you do that, 
inevitably is why we won't do it. Your piece of the pie is going to start to expand. And generally, it's going to be bigger than you thought. And all of a sudden, you're going to be in a place where God starts to work in the stuff that you start to see in you. And I'm telling you, that's why relationships are so powerful. I know this is what we resist. It's why some of you go to a new church every six months because as soon as it gets messy relationally, you cut and run. Jesus is going, that's where I want to work. You get into a marriage and and you're ready to bolt as soon as things start to hit the fan. And Jesus is like, that's where I want to work. Like every, I'll just speak for dudes. Every dude on the side of saying I do, especially if they lived single for a little bit, I thought they were amazing. Like, before I married my wife, I'm like, no, I, I feel really lucky to be marrying her. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, she's really lucky to be marrying me. Like, right? And then you get into marriage and realize I'm not as amazing as I thought I was. And James is like, it is, it is that that God wants to use. In fact, sometimes if it weren't for that, there are strongholds that you would live your life undetected. He's like, that's where God wants to work. And so he says, verse three, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. But James is like, but if you'll allow God to deal with you about what you want and about what is going on in you, God's gonna start to work in you. And in some cases, you may find that what, you are trying to get from them, they can't even give you. Then in some cases, the stronghold is we've made somebody a little surrogate savior and we've placed on them the weight of trying to give us our significance and give us our worth and give us our way and give us our security and and give us all that we need that is never going to be found in another individual on this earth. And it's in that moment where you start to free somebody else up because you've placed a weight on them to try to get something that can only come from your savior. And it's in that moment that you start to go free and it's in that moment that they start to go free. And so he says, listen, are you willing to declare war on what you want? Are are you willing, this is maybe the hardest thing to do in this whole series that we've discussed, but are you willing to take what you feel to Jesus, bring your pie chart with you, and just go, listen, here's what I think is going on, but I'm not fighting with the weapons of this world. I'm going to fight with the weapons of heaven, and I need you, and I need your clarity, and I need your power. And then here's the other question for you. Can you take no for an answer? And have you owned what God wants to do in you? So as we end, I declare war on me. I declare war on what I want and on what God wants to do in me. And so I just want to end with a couple things. I'm going to land this plane. And this isn't everybody, but for some of you, this is right where you're at right now. And this question is for you. Who is suffering because you aren't getting your way? Who's suffering because you aren't getting your way and you're disguising it as, well, I just care. I just want them to be more productive. I just want them to be healthier. I just want them to be skinnier. I just want them to finish their education. I just want, I just want, I just want. And and it's all about them maximizing and feeling better and their self-esteem. And if you were to really get honest and if you were really to bring this to the Lord, you would recognize that a lot of it is about you. 
that there's some strongholds in you that you have never seen. This is why the imagery that Paul gives is so powerful because in Corinth, there was a stronghold that was about 1800 feet above sea level. And so was that the place where they could see all of the enemies really, really clear? They had the vantage point that nobody else had. And they had the upper hand on defeating those enemies because once you took the stronghold, you captured the whole city. And so where is somebody suffering because you aren't getting your way and you haven't had the clarity to see it? And you haven't had the ability to see that there's a stronghold at work in you. And I'm just telling you, what would happen today with your friend, with your coworker, maybe with your adult kids, maybe with your spouse, if you just began to look at you and bring this to your savior to go, God, I want you to do a work inside of me. And for some, it might be a grown kid. They're 23, 24 years old. And they're still working under the unending pressure to make you happy. And they're constantly in a place where they're living under expectations that you laid on them and constantly feeling like they don't measure up. And if you were to get honest, this has more to do with you than it does with them. And so are you willing today to go, I declare war on what I want. And God, I want you to do what you wanna do in me. So what could you do today? And this is not for everybody, but this is for some. What could you do today? An email, coffee, a phone call, a text message. What could you do today to begin to take, in some cases, the unnecessary and inappropriate pressure off of somebody around you? And then for others of you, it might really be 98% them, 2% you, but you wanna tear down strongholds? You want God to do all that God wants to do in you? You wanna stop living a life where you are consistently handing your peace and your happiness off to somebody else going, tell me when I can get it back? He's going, would you bow your knee to me? Would you come to me? Would you, I think there's three things, would you be willing to spot the stronghold that might be in you, even if it's 2% of the problem, because I'm telling you, if you could own that and experience my freedom, it's gonna have a ripple effect in all the rest of your life. Would you be willing to denounce some wrong thinking that you've been holding onto in order to get your way and win your argument? And then the third thing, man, would you be willing to let your crew in? And here's what I mean by this. You need biblical community. You are not going to do this without community. And I'm talking about community outside of just your family. I'm telling you, if you are going to win the war within, if your marriage is going to be what you want your marriage to be, if you are going to parent your kids as imperfect as it is in order to honor Jesus, if you are going to live a life where you're experiencing life to the full, you are not going to do it on your own. And the more insular you become, the more susceptible you become to the enemy completely ravaging you and causing you to be ineffective because he can't take your life. But what he wants to do is steal your joy and steal your purpose and get you settling for less. And so I just wanna encourage you today, get your kids into community, get your marriage into community, get with a group of people who can begin to do life with you and speak truth to you. When you start to go off the rails to go, I am not going to live my life under the defeat of the enemy that was already defeated at the cross. And so I'm gonna step in 
to what God wants to do, not just with me and him, but what he wants to do in the relationships around me so that I can be all that he wants me to be. And so today I declare war on a version of myself that I am not gonna be any longer. And for many of you, it, it's gonna happen when you take a step to come out of hiding and into community to allow God to do all that God wants to do in you. So as we close, could it be, I'm just asking you, that the relationship conflict around you is an indicator of a war that God wants to fight on your behalf inside of you. And that you wouldn't choose this and that you're hoping it works out and you should pray that it works out, but whether it does or not, the promise is that Jesus can set you free anyway. So all over the house, I just wanna give this invitation for some of you, you're in that place right now and I don't know what the context is and I don't know your story, but but there's a struggle right now and it's been all about me and them. And this is the moment where you need to declare war on what's going on inside of you. To go, I'm gonna bring this to Jesus. I'm gonna bow my knee to Jesus. I'm gonna surrender this to Jesus, even if I think I know what's going on and I'm gonna invite me in this moment. Would you give me clarity about reality? And then would you come with the full force of your power to do all that you wanna do to give me victory over the war that's been waging inside of me. And right now you just need to declare publicly, I'm gonna take a step, I'm gonna surrender this to Jesus. And even though I maybe think it's 99% them and 1% me, I'm gonna allow God to do what he wants to do in me. Would you just stand up right now if that's you and you need that power and you need that clarity and you need that public declaration to go, I don't need to hide from this, all of us have been there, but this is the step that I'm taking before God and the people around here to go, this is the moment, this is the step. This is, even this standing to your feet is my declaration of war. Would you just pray with me? And if you're near somebody, this may be weird. And so we, we try to limit the weirdness, but just to stretch out a hand and pray for somebody that's on their feet. And I just wanna pray on their behalf right now. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you that you're a God that releases prisoners and sets captives free and that you have not called us into a fight and a war that we've got to bring the weapons to, but you're coming with your arsenal and your ammunition that raised Jesus from the grave. And so right now we look up with hope, regardless of how bad it is in the moment that you can. And so Lord, I, we just wanna to declare together and, and right where you're standing or if you're listening via radio or online, I wanna invite you into this, but you can just pray this after me and I just wanna help you put words to your declaration of war right now in this moment and what God wants to do in you to just say this, God, I want you to deal with what I want before I go to get that from somebody else. And God, would you do what you need to do in me? God, help me to own the strongholds from the war that I'm fighting within and set me free. And in this moment, it may not happen in this moment, but this is my declaration that I am taking the peace that you've offered me and I am taking the joy that you have offered me and I am taking, Lord, even this this promise of life to the full that you have offered me. That's why it's good news. And I'm not gonna hand it off to anybody else again. Do what you 
want to do in me. And as we close, this is the moment for some of you where you just need to begin a relationship with Jesus by faith to say, I've never, I've never transferred my trust to say, Jesus, I want you to save me and to forgive me and to give me new life. And so wherever you are in the room or online, just pray this prayer after me. The prayer doesn't save you, but it's your declaration of trust. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, just pray this, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose again. And right now I'm not trusting me. I'm trusting what you have done for me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. The scripture says when you make that transfer of trust, you are invaded with the power of God and that you are given a new DNA to become a son and a daughter of God. And I just wanna celebrate those of you right now who would lift your hand to say, this was the moment that by grace undeserved and through faith, I place my faith and trust in Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand to join a bunch of people already today that this is the moment. If this is your first time I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus, lift up your hand. If this is it, if this is that moment where the first time I am transferring my trust by grace to what Jesus has done, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 As we conclude, if you've made that decision, I just wanna encourage you to grab a card right in front of you that says, I have decided. If you're watching online, there's a link right below that says, I have decided. And we'd love for you to fill that out, drop it in the offering box, submit that online, take it to the tent. And we just wanna give you some information about this next step. For some of you, you need to walk out of here and you need to get into next steps next week. You need to begin to be a part of a gathering. You need to go public through baptism. You need to serve somewhere. You need to get into community, but you cannot do this on your own. Would you stand with me all over the house? Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we serve a resurrected savior. We thank you that this theology is not some dry, antiquated books, but this is something that through the ages, even today is speaking specifically and relevantly to where we are at and what we are facing. And so God, we just thank you for your living word. We thank you for a living savior. We thank you that even in this moment for the strongholds that you are freeing us from and those who you are literally taking them out of a prison and leading them to life and leading them to freedom. And so I pray that you would continue to do your work in the name and power and clarity that only comes as we bow our knee to Jesus. And we pray this in his incredible name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.